on the spencer of the pest Goking out at the cons, renaissance fest Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch As the uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch Turn to the letter F in your dictionary And add this word to your vocabulary Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby Listen up, fanboys. It's your old pal, Batman. And it's the Fanboy Planet <laughs> Podcast. Here's your host, Derek McCaw. Terry Bully <laughs> played Batman. <laughs> it's your old pal. Wait, I mean, no, it's Batman. I thought it was like like Hulk Hogan. Did you, that's Batman. what I said. That's Terry Bully. Oh, Terry Powell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's more like this, brother. Well, you but were he's softer. old. You were you were softer. This was Hulk. old Batman. That was Hulk in the uh, in the old folks' home. All right, uh, <laughs> this is things have gotten surreal since, now, since long. You long. did a great <laughs> job, Nate. <laughs> Could you well, look forward to anyway? Hey, this is your old pal Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet dot com, and uh, to my right uh, is <laughs> announcer. And long time. We just beat creativity to the pulp we here. Did. We just, come on. Long time friend in the future. He's trying. It's I am new. Nate Costa. That's there right. And across uh, our resident tiki god, <laughs> Rick Brett Snyder. No one's going to get that. No, Rick is wearing a shirt full of tiki's. Yeah, I'm I am. a little envious. I like it. I like Thank the look you. of it. I like the feel of the whole thing. So anyway, we are podcasting on. Uh, it's a Wednesday. It's September nineteenth. End of summer. It's my grandmother's birthday. Happy birthday. Well, happy birthday, Nana. And uh, we are uh, at the Brett Cave in an undisclosed location. Let's probably reverse that. In an undisclosed location. Comma, Known as the, the Brett, Brett Cave. Cave. Yep. And uh, so we have some comics news because a friend of the podcast is uh, going to be launching an ongoing series spinning out of Spider-Man 699.1. I want to follow up and talk about the Judas coin now that I've actually read it. That's the Walt Simonson graphic novel from last week. Zero issues in DC. And we've got a little complaint about the way that comics are marketed right now. We're going to talk about some official news coming out uh, from Marvel uh, Marvel Studios, some rumors about Justice League, and uh, in television, uh, some DVD releases you really want to look forward to, and of course, a revolution. But before that, I'd like to say, of course, if you are listening to us, uh, well, you are listening to us on, a pod, uh, on your iPod or your MP3 player, you can find us on iTunes, and if you found us on iTunes, please subscribe, give us a rating, let us know how we're doing, please, please, please. You can listen to us on the Stitcher app on either your Android or your iPhone, uh, and if you like what you're hearing, please tell a friend and have them listen to us as well. And maybe drop a little coinage in the PayPal button there on www.fanboyplanet.com. And if you have a pro- product, I you know, I should mention up top, Bill Bossert posted the Terror of Dracula, which we advertised for a month, yep. is being carried in uh, stores now. I think it's Walmarts in Canada. We got him into Walmarts? We got him into Walmarts You're in welcome. Canada. And one of the things that really astounded me about that was that there are... 
Walmarts in Canada. So, uh, but I I'm thought they were a civilized culture. It astounds you that Walmart is all over the place. I think of it as sort of a just a you know an American thing. I no, it's American. worldwide. Now it's worldwide. Okay, so anyway, congratulations, Bill, on that on on placing that film there. So, and you know where it all started here on Fanboy Planet. The advertising here, that advertising juggernaut of this podcast, got an independent horror film into. Walmart and in Canada. Canada, it's the Walmart. And is the Walmart unless you're in Quebec, where it's <laughs> the Walmart? Uh, I beg to differ. It is the Walmart. A a okay. Le and uh, yeah, it's the Walmart hoser. A <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's All right. the manager. Okay. <laughs> we also have. Uh, we forgot to talk about this in the pre-show, but we've got some Facebook. Uh, so as communicate through the Facebook we announced uh, again that we were recording this evening, and so we have two people uh, responded. Doug Garrett. Well, one of them, if it's Brian Shimada, I did put that down for our television. Okay, news. We're open talk about notes. That. It's Doug Garrett asks our opinions on uh, Revolution. He was kind of meh on but it, but we've got that down for and television. We've got that so down. We'll get to you, Doug. So and listen Bill, to the whole thing. And the aforementioned Bill Bossert asks, and I didn't know about this at all. So maybe I mean, maybe you will. Top Gun in 3D. Ah, What's yes. next? Wouldn't mind seeing 2001 in 3D. I know that's blasphemy. That's so, not blasphemy. But, 2001 in 3D? But Top Gun in 3D is uh, is coming. And, in fact, this sort of got garbled. Uh, one of my students, I think, mentioned this to me yesterday and asked what my opinion was or wanted to say something that, that rumored that uh, that there was going to be a sequel to Top Gun. And I think what she meant was that it was that it was the conversion to 3D. And uh, But the problem was that the director, of course, Tony Scott, committed suicide mm. about a month ago. Uh, so I do know that I did know that Top Gun was coming in 3D. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're going back, and I don't know what the advantage is. Well, you know what? I guess it is. Is that they're is they're trying to convert all these things to 3D for the day that 3D TV becomes really, really ubiquitous. So do it in the theaters yeah. for a week or two, and then <laughs> and then sell it to Dave Tapia, and yeah, then exactly. perfect it uh, in home television. It's kind of like back when they did the Cisco Kid. TV was was all black and white, but they shot that in color because they knew color would eventually come. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Exactly. Anyway, like so uh, yeah, exactly like that. So I, I mean, I don't know. I, I could imagine that movie probably being very kinetic, very very visceral, and, and easy and, to do actually. And because, a young sweaty Val Kilmer in 3D playing beach volleyball. Come on. The, the anyone? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen that movie all the way through. Really? Yeah. So Top 3D. Gun? Top Gun. Wow. I, I've, I've seen, I know I've seen most of it through parts and stuff, but never See, seen all the way through. I was in an age where I probably was in third or fourth grade when that came out, and I wasn't allowed to watch it for oh. the longest time. Well, I worked in Westwood at the movie theater that showed it. Mm-hmm. And so I saw, I did see it once all the way through, and then several times in bits and pieces, never consecutively. So I've probably seen it about nine or ten times, yeah. but uh, but not all at once. And, uh, I mean, you know, I never, I didn't think it was that great a movie, except it introduced me to a young Meg Ryan. and uh, Kelly McGillis. Kelly McGillis was in that as well, yeah. And I just Berlin, Take My Breath Away. I just remember yeah. my friend saying, this movie's the best, and I wasn't allowed to watch it. It's going to be an easy one to convert to 3D, at least the dogfight scenes, though, because the, the tracing will be fairly straightforward, and they won't have 
a lot of layers in it. Right, right, right. And so I would say to Bill about 2001 is I, I don't know that that's blasphemy. Uh, I don't know that um, Stanley Kubrick would have had a problem with it. He yeah. died before 3D became this thing. He might have worked in it. Um, my problem with converting these films is is not that they're is not the blasphemy part of it. It's like, but they weren't intended to be. It's like cut they to me. It's almost like very good colorizing. They've gotten better though because I've seen some up conversions. It's not like when we saw Clash of the Titans and it looked like a corrugated tin lunchbox moving. You know where like Perseus's nose was floating in yeah. front of his face and his ears were on a different level. Very Salvador Dali. Yeah, it was it was disconcerting to yeah. watch that in 3D. And I the funny I, the funny thing about 2001 though is all the space scenes are so slow. You know, they're all like they're all it is like Kubrick was trying to do what it would really be like in zero gravity, what these these things were actually I could imagine really, it, really fast. I could imagine it feeling very um immersive. Yeah, I, I think the, the floating spaceship the spacesuits in space and that will be uh, but until then, Bill, just, just put on the monkey suit, throw the bones around, yeah. and that's all, all the best that's what we can I do. do. I know. Um, I left the gloves on. So uh, let's talk comics, because the other things that people posted to Facebook, we're going to get to. Uh, so let's talk comics, and that is uh, the Fanboy Planet world was rocked today. No, we were very pleased <laughs> that a guy who had been a longtime friend of the podcast, uh, Joe Keating, who had been a marketing director. He was the marketing and PR director. Mm-hmm. At uh, Image for a while, and he went up he to was Portland. The, what was he? Editor-in-chief of Pat Gun. Well, he, he shepherded that because it was still an Image product. He was the editor of, uh, of Pop Gun, the anthology, yeah. And then he moved up to Portland, and he's been working in comics, and he just recently did the Hell Yeah and for Image, which is still going on, right? Hell I Yeah mean, still he, going on. Glory's still going on. And uh, but he did announce earlier a, a couple months ago he was going to do a Thanos mm-hmm. uh, miniseries for Marvel and mm-hmm. that did, that got canceled for whatever reason I think because with the sign my theory is that with the signing of Joss Whedon they're going to be very careful as to what they do and say with Thanos. Uh, well, they just did a Thanos <laughs> bit in Avengers Assemble, right? But they're setting, but that's to set him up so that right. people know who Thanos is. But I think, and they, they're re-releasing yeah. Starlin stuff right now. But Starlin's the creator. No, so right. no, but, no, but it's. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was tempted by both of those books. I've got them already in long boxes somewhere. But um, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. haven't read those stories, that's that's like like seven dollars a piece. But that's good reading. Okay, and so anyway, but he is now going to be writing. Amazing Spider-Man six ninety nine point one. That's right. Said? With uh, Dan Slott. So I don't know if it's multiple stories or if it's co-writing or what the deal is. But we do know for sure that spinning out of that will be an ongoing series by Joe. That is correct. Morbius, the Living Vampire, who uh, debuted way back in, uh, I believe it's Amazing Spider-Man 102. Mm. I had that. Yeah. You well, had? Like, I yeah. had that. I sold my Was it 102 or 101? I think he became a vamp. Uh, no, maybe it is one. I think it was one hundred and one, and he's on the cover of one hundred and two. Maybe that's it. Uh, so, anyway, interesting character to be reviving, and actually not a bad time to be. Well, reviving. he hasn't been. He's been involved recently in Spider-Man because he works at Horizon Labs with Peter Parker in a vampire form. Oh yeah. Oh, he, they, so there were there's say eight. So he's know, one of those good one. vampires. Is he Michael yeah, Morbius a, yeah, before oh, yeah, yeah. the accident, or is no, he? No, no, no. So a, they they have a retcon him. 
No, no. Okay. He's a... Uh, because his thing was always... He has a serum that keeps him from having to feed on right, people. Right, and he yeah. doesn't want to kill people. He just needs the blood. So right. when he gets to that point where his serum runs out, which seems like is every issue that he's in, right. he has to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. So he was working at Horizon Labs. The founder of that, Max Modell, had a secret lab for him to work at. And it was always like, oh, yeah, the guy in Lab 6, and nobody ever knew who it was. And then Spider-Man found out it's Morbius, and they got in a fight, and then... Basically, Spider-Man messed everything up by fighting Morbius so many times that he couldn't give himself the serum. and mm-hmm. So now everybody blames Morbius for going crazy when in real life, Spider-Man was the one that I see. screwed mm-hmm. it up. Okay. Good times. Well, but then... Uh, Poor any, Morbius. Any word, any clues, Tragic. speculation as to where the series would go then? I don't know where the series will go, but it seems like it is. They're like trying to bring him back into more of a prominent. Yeah, I think they've always had a little trouble with that one as to yeah. where where to take a vampire that doesn't want to kill and isn't. Well, mystical. wasn't he part of that Sons of Liberty? Um, what, what was the, the there was a Sons of something where it was all the supernatural characters right, it together was in the nineties? John 90s. Jameson, I think. John Jameson. It was Ghost Rider. It was the knockoff of Go, of Ghost Rider. Yeah. Um, he was the head of some. He was like a head of a and there was monster a, and there was le- the Legion of Monsters for a while, but that was yeah. a lot looser. But doggone it, it Legion was, of Monsters had Man Thing in it. Right, right. But no, they, they, it was they they had like this sub. Yeah, I know. Line I, of Marvel, it was like all the books was were it connected. Sun, uh, of Midnight or Sons Twilight of Midnight? Or? Midnight Suns. That's Midnight what it Suns. Is. That was it. Midnight Suns. Sons of Anarchy is stuck in my head. <laughs> we do, we do. Talk us down. Talk us down. Thank you, Nate, yeah. for being there with us. Okay, so we're looking forward to that, and uh, congratulations, Joe. Very excited. Um, which, of course, uh, we also have. Uh, has John Layman's Detective started yet? Speaking next of friends, month. up next month, yeah. so oh, we're going to keep yeah. an eye out for that. Uh, Thirteen is his first issue. Creator of Chew, and we indeed had him on the podcast on. The week that Chew Number One was released, did nice. we not? Yeah, it was nice. I just found my signed copies of issues one and oh, two. Oh, nice! You know how much those things are worth now? eBay. No, no I don't because I didn't buy them. Um, so uh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I would have talked you into that if I was on the podcast back then. I would. That is not my it. fault that you weren't on the podcast then. I'm just saying, I talked you into Saga Number One. You I would have talked you into Chew Number One. You did. You did. Um, so let's talk about something I did buy last week, which was the Judas Coin, the hardcover graphic novel from Walt Simonson. I talked about it a little bit last week, the bitterness of of this story, this graphic novel revolving around Judas's coins when we all know they're around the neck of the Phantom Stranger. But let's take it as its own little thing, a last nod to a previous continuity by a master of the form, Walt Simonson, in which it begins with... oh. A very similar retelling of Judas's uh, betrayal of his best friend, um, which looks an awful lot like that guy, the Phantom Stranger, who is not named Judas, who did not betray Jesus. Uh, but the scenes and the layout is very much the same. Um, and then it goes. Well, at least they've got some editorial continuity, right? Uh, then it's, it moves forward to Rome. Uh, in, into the into Visigoth territory and uh, deals with the last days of the Golden Gladiator, who's kind of a an obscure, fairly obscure 50s, 60s uh, DC character from when the superheroes really hadn't quite taken hold in the way that they that they had that they would eventually. So when DC really did truly publish but there a lot of gladiator movies, 
Yes, they Sword published. They published a lot of different kinds of stuff. Do you stuff. like gladiator movies? You ever okay now is I just want to go there um thank you Nate yes I do um and so it goes there it goes into uh forward to the Viking Prince which I think on the on uh, you know, the heels of the recent passing of Joe Kubert is kind of a nice thing nice to see home. that uh, coincidentally though you know but yes the story uh a guy whose adventures were largely illustrated by Kubert and paid homage to in and a fairly well written one too uh, by Walt Simonson, and yet still having all that Walt Simonson flavor that is always like, there's just like Kirby, there's some kind of unboundedness to the imagination that a lot of other artists have trouble letting loose. Right. You know, Walt Simonson feels but just still a very controlled unleashed. line in oh, his, yeah. his oh, artwork. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, moves forward to Bat Lash. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, Captain Fear. So that's an interesting character to throw in there. So a huh. lot of obscure DC characters that are based in historical time periods. Uh, Batlash, then to Two-Face, more than Batman, but Batman's in it. And then to the future, Manhunter t- 2070. And Walt Simonson does kind of change up his style a little bit to match where he's at. So, like, the Batlash is in kind of a, an age looking like it's a Penny Dreadful page pages. Um the Batman one is done as a comic strip for a uh, newspaper strip for reasons I'm not quite sure. Though it's not laid out like a newspaper strip. You still have to turn it on the side and, and it's told in a fairly linear fashion like that. Um, and then the Manhunter 2070, he uses uh, a manga influence. So kind of interesting to see a guy whose style is so recognizable try to flex a little bit <laughs> and change mm-hmm. out into little things, but it's, it's just not there. Uh so I'm not sure if somebody who's not a Walt Simonson fan already would want to pick pay 25 bucks for it. Certainly in paperback, it'll be it'll be a worthwhile. So you didn't thing. think you know, the art was all there, but the story wasn't carrying it over for you? They were or? okay. They were. It okay. seems like one of those little pastiche things where they well, try and yeah, just they do were okay the, stories. I just don't how know how odd DC I, characters can we get. I here? like. I'm glad I bought it, yeah. but I'm a Walt Simonson fan, and I like yeah. the characters. But even the Golden Gladiator story, if you didn't know that was the Golden Gladiator and that there was a connection to... the kind of a weak character. That it, it's just kind of interesting. Oh, that's kind of going on and trying to piece together how it fits into DC continuity. And they're all loosely bound by there's a coin from Judas's stash that's, all, that's in each story. But, yeah, it just feels like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And he's playing with different time periods. But it might not add up to somebody who's new who's buying the new 52, yeah. for example, uh, as opposed to those of us who've been around for a while and remember when, you know, like it re- well, this runs is something, out of the This book. is something that DC does more than Marvel, which is to go back to their their long history of, of, of stories that came from different ages. So like the Viking Prince and, and uh, even even things like uh, the, the Army, Our Army at War and that kind of stuff uh, came out of different periods of time. And what I wanted to reflect on was I'm sure you've seen the two-page spreads that they've been running uh, in Kubert Memorial Day. Kubert, uh, Kubert, Kubert, Sergeant Rock, yeah. And I just want to engage anybody who who hasn't just gushed over that artist to look at that drawing. It's a soldier. It's a World War II soldier. It's Sergeant and Rock. And the brilliance of, well, even without knowing it's Sergeant Rock, the brilliance of what that what he was able to communicate with a minimum of lines and a sparsity of real detail, because if you try and drill down on it too much, right, you see that there's, there's not a lot of detail. Of there's economy, but of he gets the the exhaustion of the soldier, but the dedication. It's just, a, I mean, 
those pages, I stop every time I, I come by that. I do that too. Ad, and I look at that, I marvel at what he was able to do with just a few lines that I don't know that we're going to see again. Well, I would say Walt Simonson's a close. I mean, he's still, yeah. uh, and comparatively young. I mean, I, I think he's late 50s, maybe early 60s, um, but still in control of his powers. Um, and I don't know, the the Kubert sons are up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who's still active that's, that's close. John Romita Jr., maybe. Um, it's a different style. Yeah. And John Romita Jr. is one who kind of you know, has to grow on you a little bit, I think. But it, it, but it's very efficient. Um, there are there are younger guys who I think are going to get there. We just it's just hard to predict who's going to stay and do that. You know, I I because uh, I don't know. I mean, Frank Miller, would you say maybe in a different way? But Miller is Miller's an entirely different art style. I mean, this is an evocative. Um, I mean, you could you could study you could study the way he does his panel breakdowns, his characters, his his camera where he puts the camera up right the characters right uh, we, we talked about that one two-page story that they had they'd put in um oh i forgot what magazine is but it, it's all there it's just beautiful yeah. stuff well i would point you on the site we have that tribute to joe kubert uh, by sam, that was sam was. park those two those eight pages of this cowboy yeah. stuff even not knowing what the story is just looking yeah. at the layout that's fantastic let's move on a little bit because I, I don't want to bog down because we've got what is new zero issues this week uh, from DC, nothing in Marvel now has come out yet, right? Nothing, yet. Uh, not yet. So, uh, from DC, what what zero issues have gotten under your under your craw right now? Under my craw, well, we we had a number of them come out this week. We we talked about some last week, but um, I think the one that uh, was most noteworthy for well, the one was no, most noteworthy for me. I'm not going to talk that much about because it's just big spoiler. That but, is so kind to you. But the uh, the Justice League Zero, which is all Shazam. And it is definitely Shazam, not Captain Marvel, uh, with a backup. Right. I don't know who you're talking about. With a backup story, uh, which is two thirds of the Trinity, of Sin. Um, oh, is it back. Phantom Stranger and Pandora, or is it Pandora and the Question? It's one of those two collections. Oh, yes, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for That's you. Kind of, that is good. We do get a we, we we get a well we get a view of a character we haven't seen before. Oh, so the very creeper, sh- very short, short period. Um, the uh, the Justice League, uh, it's it's wonderful artwork, but we're we're continue- We are not going to drop any of the. Is cr- it still? Criticisms. Is it still Gary Frank? Yeah, I think so. Because that's been my that, that's yes. been what's got me torn. Is I love Gary Frank art. Absolutely love Gary Frank. Yeah, art. it's Gary Frank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dang it. And Ethan Van Skyber. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So the great art. So I can't fault him for that. Three ninety nine. For a zero issue, and it carries it carries the character on the way we've been seeing it. That there's no there's no real there is a big big breakthrough in this, but uh, there's still a lot of story well, to be yeah, told. Well, yeah, Captain Marvel's breaking through that. Yeah. Right. Oh, right I mean Shazam. The, they excuse all, me. They all. Yeah, there's no Captain Marvel. Anymore. This hurts me. Red that's, Hood and the Outlaws. Yeah, Red Hood and the Outlaw is uh, a retelling of the Jason Todd story. It's actually there's two stories in this book. The first one is uh, from the birth of Jason Todd, and actually a little before the birth of Jason Todd, through his uh, encounter with Batman and his death and rebirth in the Lazarus Pit. But then we get a backup story, which, uh, spoilers on for at least 30 seconds, kids, we find out that um, the Joker at least claims 
to have manipulated the circumstances, the creation of he is Jason Todd, and by the end, the Red Hood, who, of course, is the main character in, in uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting story, uh, but one of those ones where you kind of go, are we really supposed to believe this changes everything? Mm. Um, and yeah. you, you had trouble with it because the uh, idea that he that the Joker would do this and not know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. But I think if you read it, you'll you won't have but, that much well, trouble. But he might he might know and not care. Um, but you know, it, it hurts me just because you know I, I, it hurts me. You know, like, the, like this matters. <laughs> um, but it bothers it me. Matters. It bothers me in a nerd way because I look at you know Red Hood was so actually really well developed by Judd Winnick. Uh-huh. And um, which surprised me. But it's the new Fifty Two. I know, but I'm saying it's so still so recent. And you can find that DC uh, animated adaptation, Batman Under mm-hmm. the Red Hood, which you know once Judd Winnick was free of uh, of having to stick within DC continuity, fit it all in. He told an even better version of it, and so it, it's there. I don't know. I I just don't know that I can. I've not. When I picked up this book, I haven't enjoyed it. But if you're intrigued by the character, get under the Red Hood. Or it's just yeah. called the Red Hood. There's a trade paperback, six issues. Well, the DVD, but if you want to read it, there's yeah. a trade paperback. It's a graphic novel, if you will. That's the Red Hood, under the hood. Oh, it is. And, okay. and it is it is great. So yeah. um, I'm enjoying Red Hood and the Outlaws. It's kind of evened out. They've got had some interesting stories. So. Yeah, you um, have an orange breast fetish. It's not a, yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm I, sorry. I that offended you, Nate. I, I don't, yeah, I'm not don't know how to respond to that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. there's nothing wrong with Mantan. Um, so the next one was uh, I actually kind of a kind of a, a little warning about Ghost Zero. Oh, which, it's a Dark Horse book. Yeah, it's a Dark Horse book, but it's actually a reprint of three issues. I think it's issue twelve, thirteen, and fourteen of Dark Horse Presents. And that's why it's a zero. Which okay. uh which uh, I think this is leading into a regular book. I believe that that's character. their intention, yeah. yeah. But Kelly Sue DeConnick, good good writer. And it's an interesting And read. Phil Noto, I had not realized I'm sorry, it's got me sold. Phil Noto on art, I'm yeah. there. No, the arts arts really the first really the first good. series, wasn't it Adam Hughes? Was Adam Hughes yes, drawing Adam it originally? Hughes, he listed yeah. a lot of the covers. But is Phil Noto gonna be on art? On the actual, I don't know, but I'm going to at least buy the zero because I I would love. And you didn't uh, buy the. the I did not buy the 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 Dark Horse Presents. No. Yeah. Back to DC, the new Fifty Two Sword of Sorcery. I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was Sword (coughs) of. Yeah, well, you can't do Sword and Sorcery. You got to do Sword else. Mm? Sorcery. Yeah. Uh, sword and Sorcery. No, it's the Sword of Sorcery. It's the Sword Sword of Sorcery. sorcery. It's what they've landed on. Featuring Amethyst plus. Beowulf, right? And DC's done both these characters before in the seventies uh, and eighties and nineties. And um, Beowulf, uh, Beowulf was a was a. I'll start with Beowulf because it was a close, originally a closer telling to the Beowulf story. Uh, well, yes and epic. no. Um, I had every issue know, of that it, series, and it did kind of go off. Uh, three. Sell them all. Three issues. I did sell them all. <laughs> I thought it went longer than that. Uh, no. Um, um, but this one is actually Beowulf. It's a post-apocalyptic Beowulf, and it's staying pretty close to the epic form so far because you've got a, a, a warrior who's from another area, and he's brought back to Hrothgar's uh, cabin where they're having trouble with monsters. So uh, we've all, all we've got right now is the meeting of, uh, of them and enticing him to come back. 
But as I say that, it's really it's a post-apocalyptic. He's a he's somebody in a cryogenic chamber who gets who gets released, and you know, there's there's all kinds of uh, nor, uh, advanced tech that's fallen into disarray. So this actually sure. looks kind of interesting. Okay, but that's the backup. Now, how that's about the that? backup story. Amethyst is a character, of course, that's had a couple of series. They had a a, yeah. a run and a mini series, and she's shown up in uh, uh, let's see the. Um, Oh, well, I oh, Day of Vengeance, along with uh, oh yeah, yeah. Christ, because Christ she came back as an adult. I mean, she was originally like a twelve-year-old girl who was having these dreams, and she got pulled into the Gem World, yeah. where it was discovered that she was uh, Amethyst, Princess of Gem World. She'd been hidden on Earth. I mean, it's a typical tween day daydream. Oh, what if I was actually a princess? In oh, for God's sake, it's yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter, and she's the most po- something like she's that. the most powerful mage on this world. In this, just like Harry Potter. In this story, her, it's her aunt who is uh, the big bad, just, just like Harry Potter's uncle. Well, yeah, sort of. No, no not really. Um, you haven't read the books, have you? Yes, I've read. Oh, books. okay. My yeah. complaint about this is my complaint about a lot of these it's stories where, where the mother is going to take the daughter back, or someone's going to take I the daughter. Hostility back to the magical world and they don't tell them anything about the magical world before they get there and then something is going to happen i'm sure to the mother does so they won't seem, be does it seem to be set in the rest of the dc continuity uh there's nothing really that cues it into the dc continuity although the the original series had a number of hooks uh most uh, notably the uh the Mord- mordru mordru from the legion of superheroes was yeah. young and uh, uh, the other showings. Oh, showings I should in. say, it, it, Marjorie was also in the celebrity roast of the superheroes. So uh, <laughs> nice, but also the uh, the Crisis and Infinite Earth show uh, appearances, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that we, we've it's an established DC character in the DC universe that I've never heard of. Who moves into another universe through a portal, and there's a lot of crystals and rocks. You've never heard of Amethyst? Stuff. No. Mm. Yeah. Well, so, it looks guy. It looks okay. <laughs> um, I'll see what it's like once it gets numbered issues. Okay, okay. And then we want to talk a little bit about just marketing. We've been seeing, and I want to say, we speak of this issue that's about to come up, not out of envy that DC is not paying attention to us with preview pages, but instead, if the purpose of offering preview pages is to get people excited about a book. Yawn. Rant. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. So uh, there was a, there were preview pages for the New Guardians, uh, Green Green Lantern New Guardians. And basically, tying was, into the third army too. Yeah, big deal. It's it's all about uh, about Carol Ferris know. and what's his name, Pieface, uh, Thomas Kamakuma. Thomas Kam- uh, Thomas, and a couple of uh, a, wow, you are so young a fan, you didn't know that, that that's what Thomas Kamaku's name was. Nickname. Who's Thomas Kamaku? The, the he's uh, the Hal's engineer on sidekick. Yeah, Hal has a sidekick. He works on the plane. Yeah, various planes that blow up. He's <gasps> in the movie too. Uh, but he's uh, he's um, a New Zealander in the in the movie. Uh, yeah, okay. but they choose to give us preview pages that are basically wow. you're young. <laughs> anyway, uh, go ahead. <laughs> they choose to give us preview pages that are basically like the first couple of pages of an issue, and there's just nothing to get you excited about the New Guardians. There is there is a partial view of a lantern battery. There is a wedding ring that carol ferris stumbled i felt like i was reading young love magazine because she gets all misty because hal apparently was going to propose to her uh this is in the past yeah, was, yeah, yeah. and so we don't know exactly how that fell through 
but we know Hal is now among the. Well, uh, Hal is a player. He's a he's a dead player. Um, he'll be dead for five. And you never saw him die. But no, the, in fact, at the end of Green Lantern Zero, we saw him alive. He just doesn't know where. Yeah, but he Green is. Lantern yeah. Zero is before Number One. The no, pro- the no. prophecy is that yeah, he will be zero, one, two, three. The prophecy is that he will be the greatest <laughs> black. I lantern. okay. Yes. If that's if that's what the theory is, that's wrong because what happens at the end end of issue twelve is that Hal's green ring and Sinestro's yellow ring right merge, mm-hmm. and then in zero they go to Simon Baz. He has the new ring that wasn't that is emerging of both. It was weird. What happened in the annual? The annuals where they both. Yeah, I'm sorry. Die, the annuals right? where they both where they both die, and that's what I'm sorry, and that's where it fuses. So then zero is the after new zero is, is, the is right. Is, yes, is right okay, after. So every other zero issue is, is the, the origin of the actual characters that are in the book, right. leading up to the annuals. Right. But this zero issue goes is to the 13. origin of the new. Green Lantern, and so, then in which that makes perfect sense. Thanks, in that, DC. in a void, Hal and Sinestro are like doing their mimes in a hey, box. They're in the Phantom. Zone. Where are they're we? They're in the movie <laughs> Phantom Zone. Yes. Yeah, like uh, I bet the Phantom Stranger isn't going to be an origin story. The zero issue of that. Phantom Stranger already was an origin story. Just wasn't of the Phantom Stranger. Oh, that's right. It was the Spectre. I'm still right. bitter about that because that's the Phantom right. Stranger did nothing. The Spectre did nothing. He just got yelled at the Phantom Stranger. Don't make me oh apoplectic <laughs> fit. Anyway, this, this idea that we get a that we get a preview of these issues um, is really pretty weak. That they're they're just they're giving us a mechanical first couple pages, which is not always. They're not the, trying. They're selling not the. Not the they're selling on. to the people that are already buying. They, yeah. and, and maybe and maybe part of this, we don't know how to market to anybody but ourselves. I don't even think this is good marketing to us. Well, but we're already sold, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like you know, you're gonna get because you, you're gonna buy New Guardians if you're gonna buy New Guardians. Yeah. That's just this, I'm not gonna buy New Guardians. No, I'm not. I already uh, do buy New Guardians. That's okay. You don't sound really happy about it. That's all right. It's, it's like okay. a, they all kind of tie in with each other. Kind of a comfort food. It's they're yeah. like macaroni and cheese. Uh, but but if I but I mean I don't one. I don't know that there's anything that like. Every now and then, I'll see something on a site, uh, a new site, or hear about it that makes me go, yeah, I want to buy that. Now. Hmm, I've never thought about that one before. Mostly, honestly, it's Nate standing next to me going, buy that. Buy that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh, thank God, because he's right. I wouldn't have discovered Saga. Um, but I still discovered Saucer Country. I mean, I don't really enjoy that. But um, so... Yeah. But I mean, it just it just doesn't seem to be anything. It's like if you were if it was a movie and you had a movie trailer, the movie trailer would sell the best bits, right? And comics don't do that. No. They just say here's preview pages, the first three preview pages, yeah. and it's not. It, no one's cognizant of what Jim Shooter used to say, probably still does say, um, is that you know every book is going to be somebody's first book, mm-hmm. and when they pick it up, they should get it. Absolute sense of what's going on, exactly. which is again why I was enjoying enjoying Green Lantern. Every time I pick up a Green Lantern, if I for, if I've accidentally missed an issue, I don't feel behind. I'm I'm caught up immediately, and it's so kinetic. And then to find books like to say New Guardians, where it's just like a hint of a lantern, a hint of a of a, of a wedding ring. What's going on? Who cares? Uh, you know that's not that that yeah. that, that, that that's gonna be my that's not. If it looks like young romance, are you trying to fool someone into picking up a romance book? Yeah. News for you: they're not reading romance 
American comics. I could read a romance novel, a romance book called Green Lantern New Guardians. Right. You know, I mean, and and this is, I I meant to say this because we said it beforehand, like the problem I'm having with Amethyst, I, I haven't read it, this sword of sorcery, is that this character now is in her late teens when originally Amy... Winston was, I think it's Amy Winston, was um, like 12. Yeah. And here we are complaining. The, these books are all being marketed to the same people. Is they're trying to reach out to a wide audience. Whoever it is, whether it be Warner, you want to say specifically Dan DiDio, uh, Jim Lee, Jeff Johns, I don't know. I'm not going to, I think there's, a, there's an institutional mindset that clearly needs to be broken that they're trying to sell all the books to one type of reader and it, here you'd have a perfect chance again you know we've talked about books like well scholastics doing it where you can appeal to the tween girl mm-hmm. how about that girl who is 12 who can turn into that in, into that princess of gem world that was a great concept and i think the intention was at one point um that she was good this uh, there was an animated animation company was looking at turning it was called the gem and the holograms uh no i want to say but there was something that did make it that had it started either started life as amethyst or they went we're not going to do amethyst we're going to do like you know fables we're going to do once upon a time instead like something that is close enough Mm -hmm. that you go huh that's a weird coincidence but yeah, I think I think the original series did get darker as the as the storyline went along. And yeah. they, may, they may be thinking that this is going to be a little bit more gritty, a little bit more dangerous than than that other storyline might have been. Um, I'm not I'm not dismissing the idea that. Uh, so that in the next way, missing something for the twelve year old. So in the next wave, I just want to know how, how do you see how are you going to ruin Amazing Man? Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's talk movies, shall we? Uh, at least I have hope there, and my hope Certainly. is largely in Marvel, which is weird because I, you know, as much as I enjoy occasional Marvel books, I'm not a big Marvel fan. But the movies keep getting me in, keep sucking me in, and uh, so friend of the podcast, well, friend of Fanboy Planet, is that he hasn't been on the podcast yet. Uh, James Gunn uh, announced yesterday on Facebook that he is officially and been, Twitter and Twitter, but I don't subscribe. I should. I think I do subscribe to Twitter. Why doesn't Fanboy Planet's Twitter follow James Gunn? I think it does. Okay. Then I just don't. I I just don't read Twitters. Okay. Twitters. I said tweets. I think that proved you're a hundred years tweets. old. Tweets. I am. I've been. I'm Twitter. I'm listening to all these Twitterings going on. James Gunn was on his Twitter machine. Yeah, indeed. And we cranked it up. And he announced that Kevin Feige said that he could. I'll print them out for you later. Will you? That'd be great. Um, that would be the bee's knees. And uh, he said that Kevin Feige uh, told him he could talk about it, which was great because two weeks ago, Joss Whedon already was talking about it. Um, and again, All right, go ahead and talk about it. And again, James Gunn was the first one who said it. You know, He said it on his own Facebook uh, and probably tweeted, I just didn't see it. But don't worry, I have a Twitter app on my phone, and now I could read more often. Um, so it's good bathroom reading. He is going to write and direct, which is good. They're allowing him to both write, you know, to both write and direct Guardians of the Galaxy. Yay. And the news with this, and I want to say, because another thing that that's kind of caught up alongside it that people might not be aware of is that there is um, Rocket Raccoon, who we all would agree is the character. Please don't screw up. The the unique potential to be well, either 
to be either the great breakout character of, of Guardians of the Galaxy or audiences will stream out of that movie theater going, what the hell was Just that talking raccoon? It's going to be not, not the Jar Jar Binks of the Marvel Galaxy. Oh, my Marvel God. Universe. Oh, don't say that. Yeah. Well, Rocket Raccoon was uh, created by Bill Mantlo. And Bill Mantlo, if you, re- if you recall, for people at home, um, writer for Marvel in, in the uh, 70s and 80s, uh, responsible for one of my favorite series of all time, which was the Micronauts, which is weird to say about a series that was um, based, based on, on a toy, toy. line. Yeah. Bill Mantlo did great work with it. And then Bug from the Micronauts was for a while part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm yep. still not sure what actually happened, why that character's gone, but it's okay. Maybe because Rocket Raccoon is really too close in tone to what Bug does. But anyway, so Bill Mantlo created but but uh, he quit comics to become a lawyer. And then he was in a traffic accident and suffered a traumatic head injury. So he's been in a convalescent home for about two decades. And his he cannot, he can speak, he has some memory. Uh, there was an article uh, about a year ago uh, uh, about kind of updating about him and, and how like he's made some peace with his children that he'd been estranged from for a long time. But he's another reason why, like the Hero Initiative, is so important. Is, is you know he was he was a relatively young man when this traumatic head injury happened, and now he can't work. He's you know he's got a conservator making sure. Anyway, Marvel is making a deal uh, with his heirs to uh, to to kind of funnel uh, money in royalties into paying for his medical care because directly. Because he created the character they're using in the movie. Um. That would be a possibility. Is yeah. that there is that I mean, and which, and, and I I don't want to get cynical about it. Although it, it'd be very easy because you know that whenever a new character has become kind of a breakout, the creator and his heirs have gone like totally. Yeah. You know, oh, they treated us wrong. Gary Friedrich with Ghost Rider, uh, Jack Kirby's heirs with all with all that. Steve yeah. Ditko just sitting in his room silently fuming, somewhere in Manhattan. This one would be really ugly if. If it got out in the press right. that the creator was in a convalescent home, barely able to feed himself, right. and and I may be mischaracter, I may be overcharacterizing. He may be able to feed himself. I don't know if that if it's that bad, but certainly there not, and not, not getting a great money. Search situation, especially but, yeah. if Rocket Raccoon does turn out to be the breakout character that we think. And I think Bill Mantlo may have written at least one of the Star Lord stories too. So um, you know, it is it, it, it is. Nice to see before it gets out of hand, Marvel seems to be doing the right thing. Because even when Dave Cockrum died, it still took a lot of public outrage to get money for Dave Cockrum. I think Gene Colan was taken care of fairly quietly early. They've learned their lesson. Mm. They, the institution that's Marvel. But it is it, it is kind of good to hear that he'll be taken care of. Because I am still, again, looking forward to that movie. And then we heard from Mark Ruffalo this week about whether or not he was going to be in a Hulk solo film. Whether or not there was going to be a Hulk yeah, solo Yeah, that's film. the way it was. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was kind of misreported a couple of places where he, where it was kind of said like he didn't want to be, but it really he he said that he wanted to be, but there wasn't anything scheduled. There that it was probably going to, yeah, nothing's on the schedule, and it's going to go right into Avengers 2 instead. But the thing is, as much as I wanted to see and 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 would like to see a Mark Ruffalo Hulk film, yeah, I saw I saw a Hulk m- movie just a little while ago, uh, right? And they it called was, it the Avengers. It was nice to have show up, but no, but the, we know there's a Hulk TV series being developed. So the question is, could could you sustain a TV series and a movie 
franchise at the same time? And the answer is yes, because it's the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> one can be red, one can be green. No, they can Ouch. both be green. <laughs> well, wow, again, that cold basilisk <laughs> stare from Nate. <laughs> um, so we'll see. And then there was rumor, you know, uh, Chris Evans was saying maybe he'd be in Thor too. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen because he'd earlier said he's got a what six picture for for Captain America or three. I don't know. They're not. But he said he said before they're not going to waste him on a on, cameo on a cameo. Yeah. Um, but would a cameo be part of a deal? I mean, it is for Samuel L. Jackson. All yeah, those but let's say okay. So these guys got to be friendly during Avengers, and they're shooting more stuff together. Let's say they become good buddies. I'd like to believe that. I really would like to believe that. <laughs> I believe that in the case of Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, well, I mean, look at uh, you know Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson and Will Ferrell. They pop up in each other's movies every once in a while. But they don't have they don't parts. have limited picture deals. I mean, no, I know, but I'm saying like if the the thing is if you eat if you eat up one of those one of those incremented movies, then you get to renegotiate your. Contract Although, but I would say the one you know, like my argument was going to be, well, Captain America, he's got to really get in shape to do that, but. Of course he does, and Thor's filming right now, and he's got to be getting in shape to be Captain America, so you might as well, I mean, because he went, you know, he did go from the set of Captain America right to the Avengers, so the same thing would be here, it's like, okay, if he could, if they could film a scene, but the but, other thing, but what you, scene is he going to be in, in Thor the Dark World? It's not on Earth, right? We don't know, because the other kid, Kat Dennings, is, is going to be in it. Yeah. Um, they could find a way. There's still got to be an earthly connection. But isn't that, pardon me for being a cynic about this kind of stuff, but isn't... I think we shall not pardon thee. Isn't that why uh, these guys have have agents? Because they do make friends and they do want to do the right thing, but the agent pulls them back and says, no, 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 I'm getting our cut. Yes yeah, and no. But you're yes the, and no. You're the boss of your agent. Yeah. You, fire, you hire and yeah. fire your agent. You, and if you want to be... If the, you're Hugh agent, Jackman and yeah. you want to be in... Uh, X-Men first class for 10 seconds or two seconds. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they're my buddies. I'll go do it. Your agent can be like, oh, yeah. well, you should uh, get paid for that. Serves, like, no, I'm just going to do it. The agent serves two purposes. One, what you just said, to keep a guy from being an idiot. But also... <laughs> uh, they all fail at that because we've seen the number of idiots <laughs> in Hollywood. Yeah. They do. But the, other, but, but the other thing is that they is that they also get to be the shield. Like, oh, it's not me, man. It's my agent. It's my agent. Exactly. My agent. Exactly. So he's there to be to make. To I keep don't you deal from with the money. Like an asshole. Um, so well, edit that out, Rick. What, Mister A Hole? Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Good one. Uh, okay. I like this podcast. Okay. It's the, it's that leave shot. It in or take it's it that out. shot of it. You can leave it in. People okay. say that it's the shot right. of espresso. Leave me alone. Don't you judge me, Nate Costa. Um, <laughs> He's had his. I've had a long day. Um, so I get out of the parking lot. Ugh. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'd like to see the. I'd like to envision it like the best of Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, just <laughs> going in and out of each other's movies, and then occasionally teaming up. But uh, <laughs> which one's the Hulk? Neither one. Dorothy Lamore. Uh, um, so uh, Margaret Dumont. That's the Marx Brothers. Different, different series entirely. And uh, and then this kind of news came out that Warner. And again, just rumor at this point. Warner Brothers has decided no, that they're going to run a Superman franchise completely separate from Justice League, and a Batman franchise complete. It's like I don't know because you think, well, 
if they knew what they were doing, there wouldn't be an Avengers. There would have been a Wonder Woman movie. Flanagan on Saturday Night Live. Just Flanagan, yes, the John Lovitz character. Yeah, that's it. Not going to sleep with Morgan Fairchild. Yeah, my good wife. And so, yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. So, awkward there, and uh, we'll just see. Let's go to television. (laughs) Things we know. They're convenient. Indiana Jones out on Blu-ray. That's like, oh, I, I guess it is TV. That's the way you put it. Well, I put them on television. Blu-ray. You watch yeah. them on TV. The Complete Adventures, all four movies. I don't see young Indiana Jones on here. This no, is not, not a movie. movie. That's a TV yeah, show. Uh, that's what I was saying. It's four movies in a TV series. Oh, no, that's wrong. Yeah. Um, the uh, four seasons. I don't see a Disneyland ride here. Okay, sorry. Is there there is. They're, they're, they're all remastered. I've heard the remastering is beautiful. I hope so for Blu-ray. And the all Indiana right, Jones. Still in a, in a cellophane. Seven hours, of, seven hours of additional footage, and a lot of that is like home movie footage from the set Ooh. of Indiana Jones, uh, of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Taken by a bitter Tom Selleck. <laughs> yeah. um, some... Some guy in he a Hawaiian shirt. The they didn't even mind. know he was there. Yeah, but there's apparently there's there's a there's a recording of the scene where the guy with the sword comes up and yeah, I've, and, I've read that. Yeah. And of uh, India of uh, Harrison Ford saying, "Well, why don't I just shoot him?" <laughs> it's like because he was cool. sick. Yeah, got a little history, a little back pain, back pain. I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so looking forward to that. That's uh, this is a, are a you gonna nice have, collectible. Are you going to have uh, a one viewing? Eight hours of I think marathon this, this, Indiana this, Jones. This is justifies a, a sit down early in the morning through however long it takes to go all through yeah. this. You know, I, I want to say this is all due affection and respect. I'm really hating you for the ability to sit down for eight hours and just go. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is no, but with all due respect, <laughs> eight hours. This is more like twenty. This is well with all the extras. Okay, yeah. so it's a whole weekend. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. It's Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> Okay, anyway, um, and one that's going to be out next week, I believe, on video on demand television in some limited theater, uh, FDR, American Badass. And I wanted to say there was a connection here. Earlier, you did mention the Jar Jar Binks of, uh, I can't remember what you were tying it into. The Marvel Universe. The Marvel Universe, Rocket Raccoon. Jar Jar Binks, Ahmed Best, is actually in FDR, American Badass. Actually, funny, funny cameo. There is no connection to Jar Jar. It's just more like I saw it in the credits and went, wait a minute, for real? Jar Jar was in this? Huh, he's funny. Um, funnier, at least, and intentionally so, than in any of the Star Wars films. Uh, so I just want to recommend, um, recommend it's, an, again, an alternate history. FDR, American Badass. I can say that a-hole full thing because I just said badass, right? right? It's a title. Uh, FDR, American Badass is is really... Best, better described as FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, werewolf hunter, but f- far more tongue-in-cheek than Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter. Um, and I, I actually, I like the American badass thing better because it does set him up as like this total, more like Teddy Roosevelt at the beginning, uh-huh. uh, but with a little more patrician attitude to him. Do they play uh, Chris Rock? Chris Rock. Kid Rock's American badass? Mm, I, I don't think so. They really dropped the ball on that one. Um, it's very low budget. 
Very heavily green screen. They should have spent their budget on getting the now, rights to use that. Song. Instead, they got re- they got surprisingly good actors. Hmm. One, you get Barry Bostwick as FDR, and he's a guy who I I, I really think his career should have been bigger than it was. I don't because he's definitely all around. You know, he can do pretty much anything: um, comedy, drama, you know, singing, dancing. That's the problem. He can sing and dance. Hmm. He doesn't in this film. Uh, there's a guy that was D-Day in Animal House. Um, oh, shoot. Now I'm blanking on his name. There's a lot of recognizable faces. Uh, and Ahmed Best in there. Uh, and, uh, yes, that, that, that basically a younger FDR, before he, while he's governor of New York, is bitten by a werewolf that carries polio. And I uh, think that's just brilliant. And it turns out that all the werewolves, uh, and this is for Tim Watts not there, by the way. When, when he's got to watch this. All the werewolves have been part of a worldwide conspiracy to uh, to one infect the world with polio, but also to uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna take over and they've already taken over the Axis nation. So Hitler, Hirohito, and Mussolini are all werewolves all the time. So all all the Axis powers are completely werewolves, except for the women who are beautiful and busty. And so, so the whole idea of us beating the axes and beating polio is tied together. Yes, uh, and it's, Brilliant. it's it's ridiculous. It's frat house humor. There's a lot of swearing, a lot of pot jokes, and why this is for Tim Watson. If you're listening, Kevin Sorbo appears, uh, TV's Hercules, as uh, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln, and it's. Um, so there are parts. My of, jaw may not rehinge. I know there are parts of this film where I was like, uh, and then there are parts where. I, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, um, like that. Um, so when it comes on, I could see definitely if you had gone, if you went to a movie theater, be like, uh, but if you got a couple buddies over and you popped open a brewski and put this on video demand, you'd have a really good time. I watch this going, well, I kind of wish that the podcast crew was myth with me right now. We'd probably laugh really hard. Um, instead of furtively looking around going, does anybody hear me laughing at that? I feel really kind of bad about that one. Um, that's a little awkward. Okay. That's a little awkward. Um, you know, so, uh, anyway, totally, totally dig that. Um, so, uh, and hopefully out of that, we may have a special guest on the podcast next week as a result of, uh, FDR. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, let's talk about the Avengers Blu-ray before we get to the last thing that was brought up by, uh, Actually, both of these yes. things were brought up by people on the on the Facebook page. So, if you've been following the uh, the drama, everyone remember that I ordered the fabulous. <laughs> like, there's a continuity to there's this a podcast. Continuity to this podcast. <laughs> Holy crap! I pre-ordered the fabulous briefcase edition of the Avenger of the Marvel Universe. People may recall three Phase weeks ago, one. I announced this on the podcast and Previously broke Rick's Fanboy, heart. Previously on Fanboy Planet. That's right. Um, I've been seeing and another then we website. Got, then we got news that uh, that the makers, the of, makers the, of the, the German suitcase. German company that makes the suitcase was suing Marvel because they had not gotten the rights to do a reproduction of that suitcase. And that undoubtedly this was going to cause uh, the uh, people who were buying the DVD set not to buy their $8,000 uh, Brief metallic case. briefcase. Right, right. Uh, so they went, of course, to a very favorable German court and uh, – and had a uh, restriction put on it. So uh, those rotten werewolves. So, Nine. so Nine. Marvel's Nine. announced that they're going to repackage it. It's going to delay it. Um, Is it still going to come with a cosmic cube? It. It's not. They are. They are saying there are no committed. Uh, 
what I suspect going to be one giant piece if, of if they would just wrapped around. No one cares if it looks exactly like that stupid briefcase. What you want to have is the interior of it look like it looks when it's open. Because mm-hmm. I'm never going to shut that thing again once I wow. get it. You know, this is the most passion I've yes. seen since before your uh, vow renewal. Oh. Um, so. <laughs> During the Valor River, thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, the uh, I wasn't there. Yes, <laughs> the uh, the the news that was uh, of the of the repackaging and the delay was also uh, nicely uh, accompanied by Amazon saying that anyone who had pre-ordered it was going to get the September release of the Avengers for free, no taxes, no shipping, for free. And so, looking forward to that now. Ah. But which version of the Avengers are you going to get, Rick? Because controversy broke out this week. Yes. Yes. That at least so far in the UK, yes. where it's already been released, a, a crucial alteration has been made. Indeed. And that is that when... Uh, spoilers. Spoilers, everyone. Spoilers if you haven't seen If you Avengers haven't seen yet, the Avengers. In which case... When Agent Phil Coulson is impaled by Loki, the god of mischief... Uh, in the theatrical release, that's a that's a pretty big mischief thing. It, it's very mischievous. Very mischievous. <laughs> he Pale. tittered. I believe Loki tittered after that. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. Um, that uh, when he's lying there dying, the spear was still through him, and you can like six see inches it. of blood coated spear. spear. Uh, but now in the UK DVD release. That has been digitally erased. He's still lying there bleeding, but he doesn't have the spear running through it. So, Brian Shimada, listener, uh, pointed this out on Facebook, and there's two thoughts. One is that it helped actually to make the movie just a little more family-friendly because sometimes, and and in England, they're a little more strict. With um, violence. With violence, yes. Uh, as far as their ratings go and what what kids are allowed to see. So I think it went down from a 12-plus to a 12 Mm -hmm. as a result of removing this blade but then there's that conspiracy is this uh kind of a redo to make it easier to believe that colson could be revived it's in not time mortally for wounded too. yeah um, colson was an lmd so it doesn't matter <laughs> that's there that. is a surety to your face <laughs> yes my god i wish i had your kind of confidence who is that young go-getter over there? Uh, that's Nate Costa. Sir. Nate Costa looking for a job in L.A. Yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> and if that works, I'm going to start saying it. Uh, so, uh, Nate well, Costa, thing about Nate Costa you, looking for a job in L.A. Are you about to leave Avengers? What? No, go ahead. Did you want to say something? One more thing. Say it. On the Facebook game that everyone on the podcast loves, oh, for God's Avengers sake. Alliance, you can earn... 30 plus gold for ordering for, for ordering the Avengers Blu-ray combo pack which is the Blu-ray the DVD the yeah. digital copy whatever for ordering it through them which takes you to some other you know Amazon type site it's not Amazon but whatever uh-huh, uh-huh. you get 30 plus gold for doing that through the game well I understand if you actually go to Walmart you can get is there an Avengers season one the cartoon no uh, an Avengers the graphic novel or maybe it's a maybe it's a point one. You get the Blu-ray and you get a, you get an Avengers comic book with it. It's probably not, it's probably not the hardback comic. Oh. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah, I'm ready to leave it because then we'll see it next week. It comes out next week alongside the Dark Knight Returns Part One. So hopefully I'll have a little time to look at at least one of those things. Yep. 
because I have received The Dark Knight Returns Part 1. Both released on Tuesday. On Tuesday. There we go. So yes. let's check it out. All right. Uh, and uh, so let's get to the television series everybody's talking about. Well, at least it was on Fanboy Planet. Revolution. Revolution. Uh, from director John Favreau, producer J.J. Abrams, and starring Bella's dad from Twilight. Hi, <laughs> Burke. Bella's dad. I know you're looking at me. You haven't seen it, but I have. I've sat through those timeless romances, and the best thing about them was Bella's dad. Timeless Billy means Burke. they go on forever, right? Oh, my God. You can't even know. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway. All right. So, talk about it, because, unfortunately, I did not have time to watch that this week. Well, I watched it twice, because it was on, on Did you demand. write the review, Rick? No, no. I did not. You wrote the review? I did not write the review. Oh. Chris Crotty, who oh. is a... Uh, he used to review Angel for us many years ago, and he contacted me and said, this show Revolution looks kind of good or interesting. Do you mind? Could I revive being a reviewer? And I said, yeah, I'd love to have the content, so go ahead. It all makes sense now. Yeah. So, I thought you reviewed it because you posted the review. <laughs> right, because I edit everything and right, post it. Right. No, but no, no, I said, no, I by it. Chris Crotty, didn't I? Oh, my I God. Because I didn't if even I, look. If I put a different – I was so tired last night. I'm sorry. If I, I didn't even look. I just thought, saw it through your Facebook page. Because message. I post everybody. No, no, I get it now. Okay, you get it now. Yes. Sure. I didn't Confusion read it clarify. So it, we we talked a little bit about the the scenario. Basically, it's what what happens. The power goes. Fifteen out. years after the power went out on the whole globe. But it's not just the power. So I'm really looking forward to the next few episodes that explain what happened with things that aren't run by electricity. Okay, well, like what? Like. A car engine that is run by gasoline yeah, but you and a battery. Which That's is electrical. Electrical. No. If you plug something into no, no, a wall no, and no. the power goes out, yes, the power goes out. Everything went But if on. you have a flashlight with a battery in it, the flashlight still works. No, but the, their cell phones? Right. They flashed and no, went I, dark. I know. That doesn't that happen if you lose the signal. That happens exactly. when... Exactly. Right. That's what I'm saying. I want the explanation of why things that okay. are not electrical. So it's not the power went out. It's all electricity stopped working. Something happened to physics to change right. change why it happened. Yep. That's what I want to know. Except for if you have the magic, uh, the magic, the uh, magic thumb drive. drive. Yeah. The, so and we get we but get. A, but a thumb drive is solid state, isn't it? Yeah, there's more than one though. There, there. Well, it doesn't matter if they're solid state or what. It's not really just a thumb drive because apparently these things can provide localized power to machines. Those are alien are, things. Yeah, that's uh, alien sure. technology. The uh, if you look closely, you know, we're we're really getting fanboyish on because we're not. There's no continuity, <laughs> and we're just listening to this. If if you watched the show, we saw the story of a family. That was partially broken by this. The mother dies. There's a new woman stepped into the to the leading man's life. So it's like the Brady Bunch. And then the, the militia thing. shows up at their their encampment. I'm sorry, I have to contact the WGA. Hang on. And kills the father. Uh, the two children head off in different directions. We got kind of like a split uh, split storyline going on. At the same time, we find out that yeah, there is this kind of militia that's trying to figure some stuff out uh we don't know that much about them we find out in flashback that we have seen some of them in the 15 years earlier scene but we're not going to spoil that tonight i don't think should we spoil it or? no okay so and then we towards the end of it we find out that there are there are apparently people who 
who can this part of this was on the commercial so it's not really a big spoiler but there's people who can still use electronic machinery and can actually communicate in a way that i found disturbingly similar to the to uh the the uh, black spy who was up in the rafters in jericho communicating back to his uh, home base um when supposedly there was no there was no telecommunications left on in that universe either so um what do you think about uh, we've also got the whole hunger games thing because you have a young young woman with a bow um, everybody but I think, say that yeah but i think it's it's not that it it makes a lot more sense uh that she she'd be using a bow people do One, use swords absolutely. and bows that makes it's sense. totally a weapon that makes sense well, that was the other thing because no uh, guns were illegal but a few people had them yeah yeah. Well, they're not. They're not. Well, there's illegal because the militia doesn't allow allow them. Right. Right. Um, and the militia is basically a thug force that comes in and and says you're gonna the brute squad. You're gonna give us uh, food and and for that we won't beat you up. Yes, no, the brute okay. squad. <laughs> but you I look think, so so satisfied. That was like Ernie. The one me. thing I I find hard to believe in this, and it's it happens in a lot of these. Or there's a bow and arrow. But oddly enough, in Walking Dead, they do it right because every time the guy shoots something, he goes off to retrieve that arrow because <laughs> that arrow is important. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. just fire and forget. <laughs> he does not have the magic quiver of replenishment on his back. Yeah. And I think that's that's one thing Walking Dead has done consistently good all through that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go to get the arrow every time, but sometimes it's because it's in the back of a zombie who's gone at a bigger pile of zombies. This girl is firing those arrows and never tries to track them down. Yeah. She's going to run out. Well, maybe. You know, but the Hunger Games comparison is fair. I, I had a conversation with a coworker today. She said, she said, it felt like the Hunger Games, but they couldn't have known that. And I said, the Hunger Games have been like this phenomenon for like three, four yeah, years. Multiple years. They knew it was coming. If they, it, Every studio knew that it once as Lionsgate made that film, yeah. um, that that was going to go over, it was gambling was going to go over well. And that's why you have... Uh, Arrow and the irritation to Troy Benson of advertising Oliver Queen as having Katniss-like yes. skills. Um, you know, they're all desperate to get their Hunger Games knockoff. This could have been in. a production without the bow and arrow thing. And, and then they, they went, said, let's hey, get a bow and arrow. Put her, give her a bow and arrow. Take that bolo thing. Because regardless, you know, the reality is, man, archery has, as a hobby, the interest in it has soared this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so where you see paintball stores, they're becoming archery stores. And uh, so, well, God bless Hunger Games. guess who's Games not then. participating? It's Hawkeye, not Hunger Games that did that. So what do you think? Are, are, you, are uh, you sold on the... I'll keep watching it. I had a big problem at the very beginning of the show when my man comes home and is like, It's happening! Fill the bathtub with water! Fill the sink with water! Uh... Because plumbing doesn't work anymore. Well, plumbing well, it's works. it's going. You lose everything's going to shut down. Okay. Yeah. Plumbing and so would he stop needed. He wanted that. a bunch of water. So, like you, Derek, you mentioned this at dinner. Why not have water on hand? If you know, you have a big drum in the back that's coming. already full. You have a giant thing of water in the back. You have jugs of water in the house. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. There's numerous things. If you're a guy that is working on whatever's going to shut down the power on, in the whole world, and it's 15 years from now, right? I mean, well, it's 15 years after the event, which it seemed like, yeah, it was now because he's driving yeah. a he's a got current a car. He's okay, a so I would car. say is the thing is there's also enough out there in the world, you know, information out there about survivalism. Exactly. Uh, how do you yeah. keep the earthquake preparedness? Yes. They're obviously not prepared for an earthquake or a fire or a tornado or anything else that happens in Chicago. And not right. not to go against what you just said because I agree entirely with that. Um, but I th- I think I'm, I'm going to hypothesize a different scenario that they didn't cause it, but they've been part of an organization that knew it was potentially coming. Yeah, that this is perhaps a technology that fell on the hands of okay, fundamentalist so terrorists. It just understanding you guys' description of this, I got to side with it. They should have been, been prepared. prepared. Yeah. They should have been prepared. No and doubt. Uh, that's the what other thing was, if an airplane loses power, does it when it falls out of the sky? Does, does it, it start spinning spin around for no reason? Uh, you know, maybe it does. Maybe they were making a turn. Maybe they're banking. And slowing, and so the uh, engine. Didn't we slow. have? A, didn't you and I have an argument about this a couple of years ago on like flash forward or something? Yeah, um, and I think you argued that it wouldn't. Now you're defending it. I feel what, that it wouldn't spin. Yeah, uh, in flash forward, they fell asleep, mm-hmm. and so um, most most planes. Are, I don't want to bring up an old argument. <laughs> yeah, I really okay. don't. I'm just saying. Clearly, this show does visually what it needs to to yeah. get people interested. Well, and then the other thing is, the planes are very 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 small part. Of if it. a plane loses power does it glide down because it's still flying or does it just those planes fall? don't glide they're the, too heavy they they're just way fall too heavy. yeah no you so can, even with the speed of going whatever 400 miles an hour they're right. not gonna ben go Weiss, down like this i'm not saying glide to a peaceful resting place no but the, they're they, just gonna they, fall straight down what allows them to lift is that extra force from the from the engines ben Wee's principle is just not i oh, see like i'll drop that mm. scientific term mm. ben Wee's principle does not allow for for gliding that's why gliders are very light light lightweight planes jets are huge heavy mofos they get there which is also a scientific term by the way yes all right uh if you have any a swedish yeah oh wow well if you have any other uh oh yes we've got uh, we've got an announcement tonight all right go ahead so if you're in the san francisco bay area and you're looking for something to do in november early november uh the weekend of the second through the fourth there's a new science fiction convention in town called Wow Convolution, and it's being put together by a number of people who are very active in producing other very successful conventions in the area. I won't name them, but uh, if you've been, but there are people that could potentially nominate us for a Hugo. They right? are, um, but this is this is <laughs> this is the first. I'm just throwing it out there. This is the first year for Convolution, so we really kind of want to make sure that they're successful and they can come back and do. Um, I kind of think it's, it's somewhat of an honor to be invited to be at the beginning of something new. Yeah, That's right. It's nice. It's like convoluted and revolution put into one. Convolution. Word. It's for revoluted. Yes. Yeah. So it's and convention. Uh, All three words in one word. Exactly. So convolution. Uh, you can you can and find them on the web. You can actually also find them on Facebook and join the Facebook page for updates. <laughs> but they're, it's going to be at the Hyatt, right, Hyatt Regency Burling game that's near the San Francisco airport. The guests uh, the guest of honor is Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson Games, Howard Tyler, Julie Dillon, 
Steve Berman and Stephen Burst, author of uh, many science fiction stories. I uh, of the I've read I recognize Stephen Burst's name uh, and Steve Jackson. Yes, yeah, Steve Jackson games is uh, um, although I've never played any, but um, that's we okay. will play. Oh no. Uh, uh, and uh, we'll play a, them a guy the who's uh, a Hugo winner, um, Chris, Chris Garcia, Garcia, will be there. There's going to be right. lots of gaming. There'll be uh, Christopher J. Garcia, Reverend Doctor Christopher Dr. J. Garcia. Hey, so Christeners, listen. In. Oh God, I can't. <laughs> Jeez, that do hurt it. you, didn't it? It did. So there's a special event on Saturday, November 3rd for Doctor Who fans called Behind the Blue Door, a Doctor Who-inspired cabaret. So Chris Hardwick, if you're listening, your favorite show, exactly. Doctor Who, will be at Convolution. And if uh, What time is that? That is uh, in the evening. All right. That'll be in the evening on triple Saturday book that the night, 3rd. sucks. I'd love to see that. I would love to see that. And uh, registration's a, a, a very inexpensive $55 right now if you uh, if you register ahead of time. They're, letting, they're letting us in for free, on though, right? San, On Sunday, the <laughs> Fanboy Planet podcast will be doing a live right, They're letting us in for free recording. to do that, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, good. We'll be doing a live uh, live podcast with a number of the uh, guests on the show. So even if you can't make it, but I do highly encourage you to make it. We'll be podcasting uh, from it. We'll be podcasting part of it from Which has you, been some really enjoyable, you know, when we get to podcast. We've like had they, a lot of fun with The couple of years audiences. we were able to do like live out in the hallway at Westercon, I thought, were, were great. Paycon's been, been pretty good. But I, I recall that Westercon where we just had just a bunch of people sat yep. down with us. The open table. That the Hyatt Regency great. is a beautiful hotel. We're going to be in, probably in the atrium. In the, if you know the hotel, the atrium is a beautiful area. I'm really looking to the acoustics there, and we'll be right next to the bar too, which is always a bonus. So, um, be there, okay. And if you can't be there, uh, write into us. Uh, if you got questions, comments, compliments, commentary, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And of course, uh, listen to us on iTunes. Subscribe. Uh, rate us, uh, hopefully favorably. Uh, listen to us on the Stitcher Tell app. Tell your friends. Find us on www.fanboyplanet.com. Tell your friends. And if you really like us, hey, drop us a little money on PayPal. Sorry to be just so mercenary. But if you're interested in sponsoring, if you want to mention of your product, we would be very, very happy to allow We will love your product. Well, you know, we'll be affectionate toward it. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, I am Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, checking his phone right now. I am Nate Costa, and hey, Los Angeles, I am looking for a job. And I know that Marvel Studios is moving to Glendale. I forgot to mention that. Possibly February 2013. Okay. Okay. You're going to need to hire some new people, one of which should be me. Yeah. And across from me. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only for good. good. Or employing Nate. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.